I'm Chelsea Parker. I'm a freelance fiddle player, and this is The Jay Franzi Show. Welcome to The Jay Franzi Show, a behind-the-curtain look at the entertainment industry with insights you can't pay for and stories you've never heard. Now, here's your host, Jay Franzi. Well, hello and welcome to the show. I am Jay Franzi, and if you are new here, this is where we take a deep dive into the entertainment industry to provide you with valuable insights and entertaining stories. This week, we get to talk with an actor, a host, and a TV personality. We get to talk with Zay Zay. We'll talk to him about how we get a start in the world of entertainment, what it's like working with A-list celebrities, and we'll take a deep dive into his company, ZayZay.com. Now, Zay Zay is nothing if not a personality, and I can't wait to talk to him. So if you would like to join in, comment, or fire off any questions, please head over to jfranzi.com. Now let's get started. Zay Zay, sir, how are you? Sir, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jay. I appreciate you uh, having me on your platform and sharing the love. Thank you. Thank you very much. It is my pleasure, sir. I am glad to have you here. Can I just tell you how banging that intro is? I you really like that? love the music. Oh, my God. Well, thank you. Sounds good. I'm a thank fan. you. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. And I'm seeing the B. You're from Boston, right? I am from Boston, sir. Can you tell? <laughs> I love it. I actually, funnily enough, I'm a New Yorker. Oh, uh, all right. But I was Show's over. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I, <laughs> I actually... I spent a lot of time because I went to school in Massachusetts and I graduated from Salem High School. Salem High, yep. I grew up in Peabody. You grew up in Peabody. Look at that. Look at that. So I'm sure we 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 whipped your butt in basketball many, whoa, whoa. many hey, hey, hey. a game. <laughs> back back to that again. So how did how did you end up in Salem from New York? My mom she always told me that she didn't really want me to to kind of grow up on on the streets kind of like she did, right? Like not on the streets per se, like nobody was homeless in my family, but thank God, houseless. But, you know, she wanted to try to make something better for me, right? So when I became a school age, she decided to go to Massachusetts for a while. And then so I would go to school there. And then like every other weekend, every holiday, all summers, it was back in New York. And then it was almost like just a back and forth kind of thing for my whole school career. And then I started college there until I realized that I just, I didn't really want to go to regular college. So I went back to New York to, to start my uh, college career, just learning really about music, which I understand we share a, a mad passionate love for. <laughs> I really want to be a rapper and a music producer, right? I'm a hip hop producer. So I ended up going to this uh, this school out there called the Center for the Media Arts. It was in Chelsea. Eventually, it, it actually, before I was able to finish it up, it got closed, unfortunately. It lost funding, state funding. So uh, I ended up uh, graduating from um, the Art Institute. Oh, I yeah. got my degree there. Yeah which I'm sure you're also familiar with. You've spoken there many times, trying to impart that 
amazing wisdom. Yes, of yours. the wisdom, sir. Can I, <laughs> can I let you in on a little secret? What's that? What's that? My family's from New York, and my dad went to school in Boston, so that's how I was born and raised there. Hold on a second. Where's my? I don't yeah, have you, a. You know, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, my dad went to Northeastern, and then uh, they okay. stayed there. So that's so where I was go. born and raised. And we it, got more in common than we thought. Yeah, I bought a house in New York for a little while, and then realized I was in New York. <laughs> oh, stop! <laughs> so I, I was actually buy- just in Boston this past week. I went back to the visit for a little while. It was very nice. Okay, so do you like staying on the North Shore when you're out there, or do you go like to Boston proper? Do you travel around a little bit all over Massachusetts? What do you do? Well, I stay in the North Shore. I stay with family when I'm out there. Okay. But I do go to Boston. I went into Boston and uh, went to eat at a lot of nice places and tried to stuff myself with all the food that I can't get where I am. So. <laughs> you know what I definitely like about one of the things that I miss about about Boston and that area? Obviously, New York has has its share of Chinese food, right? There's something else, though, about the Chinese food that you get when you're in Boston, for some reason, I can't find beef tips anywhere else. Like Boston is like the only place that you can find beef tips when you go eat Chinese food. Like you go to New York, you can't really find them. LA, they just, they're like, what is that? Anywhere else. Miami, I lived in Miami for the longest time. They have no idea what that is, but you go to Boston, you can get some beef tips. It's funny. I, I say that all the time. The food in Boston is different than anywhere else. <laughs> I didn't realize it till I moved, but right. there's a roast beef place on every corner in Boston, you know, so yes. you, can just get, you can get a, a roast beef sandwich. And it's not the type of roast beef that you'd find at an Arby's, like cold cut type <laughs> roast beef. And it's not the big, you know, Thanksgiving Day slabs. This is just right. good, good, uh, Good sandwiches, right. and then pizza, and then seafood, and oh, we we right. ate all this week. It's I feel disgusting. Oh my gosh, Revere Beach. We Did went you do to it? Revere Beach. Yep, Kelly's uh, roast beef. Kelly's I made roast my rounds. beef. <laughs> I went to Bill and Bob's when I was in PVD. I tried to go to Bill and Bob's on Route One, but apparently they've changed their names to Glens, and I'm not trusting Glens just yet. What is it called now? Glens. Glens roast beef. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't trust Glenn. I know Bill and Bob. I don't trust Glenn. There was a place I used to go to when I was a kid as well in Lynn, Massachusetts, because I did spend a little bit of time there. It was a place called Angelino's. That place was amazing. And it was like the first place ever that I learned about, again, another Boston kind of thing, a cheeseburger sub. Right, where you can get like just a whole sub. That's the whole thing is a cheeseburger. When the bun is not enough. (laughs) The whole thing is a cheeseburger. It's like, what? How do you how do you make this? We got a a steak bomb. I mean, this thing was on a roll, but it was like climbing out of the roll and falling down the sides. (laughs) Absolutely insane. I mean, I just I can't help it. I mean, the food was amazing. And I even, I drove up to Maine and we got lobster. You got to do it. It was good. It was a good food trip. I can't remember anything else because I was in a coma. (laughs) Very good. All right, sir. Well, you have a a very interesting background. You seem to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. So 
Tell me how it started. How it started? How did it start? There's a lot how of stuff. How does one person spork off into so many different ways? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Happenstance. The truth of the matter is I've always kind of been the kind of guy who, when opportunity comes up to try something new that may propel into something wonderful, I think really hard about it first, try to see the future a little bit, but then jump in with both feet, like really try it and give it that old college try. I'm also not the kind of guy who does a thing a little bit. If I go in, I go in hard, right? Like you and I were talking about right before the show, you have an amazing studio. I also have a studio. I've had studios in my home, but they have never been home studios, if you get my meaning, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So if I take something on, it's never going to be to do it at a at an amateur or at a uh, a weekender kind of level or level or at a hobbyist kind of level. Like I want to be a pro at it, or I got to find something else. If I'm truly passionate about it, I have to figure out a way to be world class at it if I can. Right. Right. So that that kind of is how I've my life has kind of branched out into all these kind of things. I started out with a with a massive passion for music growing up. When we were talking, I wanted to really be a rapper from the moment I was like nine, ten years old. I just wanted to be this rapper. That turned into a love of creating music as well. That that then took me through high school, through college, through learning about the craft, the intricacies, the ins and outs of becoming not only a producer, but a studio engineer and uh, and then the machinery of it all and then how to build a studio. It turned into all these things like it was never just one thing always led to another thing. Well, if I want to know how to rap, then I should learn how to make beats. And if I know how to make beats, I should learn how to engineer them. And if I knew how to engineer and work a studio, I should probably know how to build one all the way into the you know, well, how do you soundproof a room? How do you float a wall? How do you make a cloud? How do you drop a ceiling? How do you, to the architecture of it all. My first studio, I was, I got laughed, not laughed at, but I was told by um, some fellow engineers that I probably would have gotten a, a C plus on my first design. <laughs> the first garage I turned into a studio, right? But because I went to the uh, Art Institute, as I told you, I had to learn music, but I needed a minor in something, right? And at Art Institute, the music minor was always video. So in order to get the degree, I had to also study study some video stuff and business. So it just turns out that during my internship phase, you know, that second second half of the last year, you have to, okay, you got to find a, a, an internship. Where are you going right. to go? And I got pushed, not pushed, but I got suggested because the only thing available at the time was to work at this uh, television network, but they, they do music videos, eh? So maybe, you know, you'll start meeting people in the music industry and you can, and I was like, I just kind of like shrug my shoulders. Okay. If you say it's a good idea, then it's a good idea. Was it a good idea? Well, I'll tell you this. It turned into a video career <laughs> because what ended up happening was yes, I got that internship, but about two weeks into that internship, someone got fired somewhere in the 
hierarchy of it all. And they said, hey, why don't we just hire the new guy to do this menial thing, this entry level thing, and then move everybody up in the department. So that's what they did. And then that was two weeks after my internship. And then as soon as I graduated, they hired me full time and I was editing, video editing, and cool. making commercials and promos and then cutting interviews and stuff like that. And, you know, I got good at it. Did you like it? At the time, it was a job, right, Jay? It was a gig. But my passion, my heart was still, I was still making music. I was right. still trying to be a musician, right? So I was still working hard in my studio, still writing songs, still recording. I was living in Miami at the time. So every time I would record, then I'd run to the beach and hand my stuff out to DJs who would play it in the clubs and, you know, trying to make a name for myself. And then Monday morning, it was back at Music Video Channel. I don't know if you remember from way back, it was called The Box, the Video Jukebox Network. It was eventually bought by MTV. And then, um, you know, they swallowed them up. Viacom kind of swallowed them up. But it was a cool channel. It was a cool station. And it was pre-internet uh, or pre, not internet, but pre-like ease of internet right it was that time where it was it still took a long time to download a picture like that kind of stuff so at the time they were like pioneering this uh technology where you could basically call in and order a video like a jukebox and you pay 99 cents and then they would play your video and everybody could watch the video that you you ordered so to speak just like a jukebox locally and and it was cool because we would also have all these all these musicians coming through the office and, you know, you would talk to them, we would interview and do things. And that aspect of it was cool, but the, the grind of it was okay. But like I said, I got good at it and eventually became world-class at it. And then I got, I got uh, recruited by a post-production house also in, in Miami. And then I started doing bigger stuff like Pepsi commercials and, <laughs> Like I really became like this editor guy, right? Like it started off smaller, but an assistant first, but in a much bigger arena and then started doing a lot bigger projects eventually. And then that turned into this whole career, Discovery Channel and da da da. But in that time where I was an editor, there was a moment where somebody came out of one of the recording studios in the in the post-production facility and they said, because the VO guy didn't show up. And so I remember uh, a friend of mine who was a producer at J. Walter Thompson, I think it was, one of the ad agencies, was like, Zayzay, come here. And I said, what? She was like, can you read this? It was like a movie, dude. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I can read this? Why? She was like, come here. So I went into the studio. She was like, okay, read it. And I start reading. And she was like, perfect. Let's record him recorded it and that little chance kind of thing turned into a back to school campaign for Macy's. <laughs> and that was like my first, first VO shot. gig. There you go. And then I became a VO guy. <laughs> you see what I mean? Like did you like that? I loved it. I absolutely loved because you're going from behind to in front a little bit here. Yes, exactly. All right. Which was always the goal. And that was that was kind of like my on-ramp to kind of where I am now. That was my first 
my first like professional VO that turned into eventually the VO gig that got me my first TV show that then got me where I am now. I landed the plane. Sorry. <laughs> it takes a little while. It takes That's a all right. If it happened fast, it wouldn't be as fun. It wouldn't be that, worth that's it. That's true. That's very, very true. Very true. So what was that first TV show? So that first TV show was a show called Fusion. It was on a network called Mundos. And Mundos was a cable channel that was owned by NBC Universal. The target audience was U.S. Latinos who speak mainly English. You know, it was just it was it was a cool time. It was uh, it was young. It was it was cool. It was um, somewhat urban. It was one of those channels that was sort of leading edge, almost bleeding edge. People were like, "What are you guys doing?" But because of that channel and because of the efforts of a lot of people in that channel, we have a lot of things today that are popular that weren't necessarily popular beforehand. And uh, a lot of people credit our efforts on that network for like the popularity of like the music genre, reggaeton. We were really the first network to push that genre here in the U.S. and made people like Daddy Yankee and people like that very, very popular and worldwide celebrities at the time as well. But the first show was Fusion. And Fusion was sort of like an entertainment news show, entertainment tonight, but for that crowd. And you were in, in front of the camera. Yes, sir. All right. Yes, sir. Finally. Yeah, I started off as the voice of the network. So that was the VO gig. So the vice president of the network I met with her and she was really nice. And she said, you know what? We're about to start casting for this show. You should audition. And I said, okay, I'll audition. And so uh, I did. That itself is a, is, a whole, is a whole kind of story. But I auditioned for it and thank God I got it. And away we went. I, when I got it, I put in my two weeks notice at my editing job. <laughs> And I was like, guys, I'm sorry. I got to go. They tried to talk me out of it. They were like, Zazie, but, uh, you know, but television, I mean, it's so, you know, your show could get canceled like any minute, man. You never know if it's going to be. And I'm like, yeah, you never True know. statement. You never know. You're right. And I took a shot and I was there for almost five years. Five years. And the truth is, man, sometimes you just have to take that chance on yourself. You know, you have to. Yeah, it could have gotten canceled immediately. <laughs> it could have gotten canceled immediately. But how would you know? If you didn't try, how would you know? Absolutely, no. You know? That's how I've lived my whole life. I just try things and I just keep moving forward and try every opportunity that comes my way. If it doesn't work out, all right, I can take a step back for a minute. But that's okay. So now you're in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. So what came next? It's interesting because at the time, I remember getting a very big, great piece of advice. And that piece of advice was immediately start looking for your next job. <laughs> like never, <laughs> ne never get too comfortable. Never get too comfortable, man. Especially, so but, you know, you don't know, right? So, and you don't know what you don't know. So when you're 
inexperienced, I'm not just going to say young, but when you're inexperienced and, you know, you get your first show and you're like, man, you feel like you're on top of the world. You, you don't know what you don't know, but you hope that you have the wherewithal to listen to people and to learn from others' mistakes. Were you able to do that? In some aspects I did, and in some aspects I did not. Because when you start looking for those opportunities and then you don't need them, then you start to rest a little more. Right. Yeah, the first year it's the hustle and the, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm on I'm on TV, but okay, what does this get you? And what does this get you? And you realize that it's not all immediate either. It's not like it's not like let's say when our grandparents were on television. If one of our grandparents were ever on TV in those days, there were three channels and a hundred million people watching each channel, let's say, right. or 90 million or 45 million or whatever it might be. Chances are somebody saw you last night. You'd be instantly famous the next morning. Nowadays, that just doesn't happen. You get on TV tonight. You're in a movie tonight. Tomorrow, people still have no idea who you are. It takes a long long time in that grind to find any larger level at least those larger levels that some of some people are looking for of either fame or notoriety or even that kind of respect in any kind of entertainment field that you might be looking for you still got it you still got to work case in point how many how many celebrities are there that have a million, five million YouTube followers that chances are you've never heard of. (laughs) (laughs) There's probably lots of celebrities are struggling to get that many followers right now, too. (laughs) You go. The ones you know. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. I mean, we're always told to always look for that next gig. Say you're mixing a record. Well, that record's only going to be, what, a week? So then you're on to the next one. So you need to always be looking for that next one while you're on that first one. Right. So when you're in the TV business or the movie business, you need to be looking for that next gig as well. So I know you said you didn't quite take the advice. Was that a piece of advice you took or did not take? So I did it first, and then when I didn't need it, I kind of – leaned back on it. And honestly, when, when it came time where I needed it, I realized that I didn't have it. And so eventually, almost five years after I started, the network kind of flipped. They decided to go in a different direction. They actually, they hired somebody who canceled every single show. I remember it was a Thursday. I was on my way into the studio and I get a phone call from my co-host. <laughs> I'm driving in and she's telling me they're calling us all into the into Studio B and everybody. And I said, everybody? She said, everybody. I'll, uh, you're not here yet? I was like, no, I'm on my way. And she was like, well, I'll, I'll call you back and I'll tell you what they said. And I was just coming back from a meeting with a publicist because something was telling me, get a publicist, start again, look for your next gig. Like, don't, don't rest. Right. But it was too late. During that whole time, like I started a label like there was, you know, I was still had the music, the music business that was also still my passion. I had my fingers and my hands in a lot of things that I was trying to grow. 
but in terms of looking for that next platform that wasn't music, I wasn't concentrating on it. I wasn't. And that was what was fueling things. Because when you're on a popular television show, you notice that people start listening. They start answering the phone more. You'll start getting people's attention a little more. People start listening to your your demos more intently or listening to your single more intently or you might get your song on the radio now you know sure. these, all these things these doors start opening so which show was it that got you that recognition it was still fusion it was still fusion but by the time by the time fusion was over i was kind of married almost to mundos because I was not only on Fusion, but I was on about three or four other shows. Plus, I was still the voice of the network. I was Mundos. I was that network. And like I said, it opens a lot of doors, which may be also to my detriment, because when it was over, I was so sort of pigeonholed that when I would go for other things, I would get in the door for meetings and maybe even auditions and stuff. Like I tested for a few shows at MTV and things like that. But in the end, the producers would say, we just don't want the Mundos guy to be our host. That kind of hurt because I knew what I had to offer, but I was that guy and we're looking for this. It takes a while. It takes a while for that to go by. Right. Right. And I ended up doing radio, which is something I hadn't done before. So because of that, I ended up doing radio for like the next three or four years. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, we're taking another turn and then back. Another turn. So I had a national radio show for a few years. <laughs> sure you did. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's called the Top 20 Latin Urban Countdown with Zayze. Yeah. And uh, it was distributed by Westwood One, which was cool. Yeah, don't start at the bottom, you know, just go straight to the top. That's okay. <laughs> it was produced by a uh, Latino broadcasting company, Tony Hernandez and Gustavo Pombo. And they just, they were at the helm and um, Tony Vidal. It was a great show. And that lasted a few years until, until that went away. And then I decided to do web commercials always stuck around and the VOs always did its thing. And the video stuff never went away. It was how I was able to feed my family and how I was able to, uh, to, I started a video production company as well that I also did. It was always, always there. And thank God, you know, honestly, thank God, because doing entertainment has always been, Challenging. Challenging, yes. It's it can be steady, but it can also be perilous. (laughs) It's those projects that get you through the hard times. Yes, exactly. I I know. I know exactly what you mean. I mean, when I work in the business, I go through these projects, but it's the the production companies that give me the work that's steady. It's the label work that's up and down, up and down, up and down. Yep. So no, I know exactly what you mean. Yep. So we did that. I ended up starting a video production company that I still have to this day. I still do a lot of work for corporate clients and stuff like that. And that's also a lot of fun. 
I direct. We actually won a bunch of awards last year, which was really cool for some clients. We're kind of a boutique. We keep our circle kind of small. It's not this massive juggernaut. We keep to doing cool projects and uh, and fun things. And I think that's the key, right? Try to always have fun in what you do. Can't imagine you're having fun. You can't imagine I'm having fun? No, no not at all. <laughs> Just don't look like you're having fun. You look miserable. Oh my god! I'll tell you this though: it does it does become a, a bit of a beast sometimes, Jay. It really. I mean, you can imagine, right? I I read up on you. I read up on you, and I know that you've had a, a grand time in your life so don't far. Don't know what well. you're talking about, buddy. <laughs> what I need is that book. What I need is your ideas book. Yeah, yeah. that's what I want to get. Amazon. Sure, sure. Plug it, man. Plug it, plug it. Tell me about the book. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I need the ideas Here. book, man. I want to be a better leader. You want to talk about something? Let's talk about this. What's this? Oh. <laughs> it's your website, buddy. Right. Okay. So this has been a labor of love and excitement. And right after, or right during, maybe the last year of the radio show. I started a website and it's called Zayzay.com and it continues to talk to the same demo. It's entertainment news, U.S. Latinos who speak mainly English, but it's really for everyone. And why do we talk to them? It's an underserved sort of demo in this country. There's a lot of us. I'm Latino, if you couldn't tell. And like I said, it's an underserved demo. We're Latino, but I don't really watch Telemundo or Univision. I speak Spanish at home, but I get my entertainment from U.S. sources. I get my entertainment in English for the most part, sprinkled with some Spanish-speaking entertainment. But I don't really watch like novellas and stuff like that. That's like my mom. That's like my grandma. Um, you know, when they're watching that, I'm watching John Wick. I, I get my Fast X, which I just watched this weekend, which was really cool. And that's where we get our entertainment. So that's our demo. We we target that demographic with entertainment news from the U.S. about U.S. entertainment that kind of speaks in our language. And that's kind of what I've been doing since I started on television, right? That was the the same demo that we had on Mundos, same demo that I had on the radio show. And that's the same demo that I continue to talk to today. It's basically talking to my family. So these are the people that know you. Right. People that are just like me, people that I grew up with, people that I know and and know me and my cousins, my friends. But it's not a closed circle. Anybody can look at it and get entertainment from it and get value from it. The things that are written aren't written in such a way that it feels exclusive. It's incredibly inclusive. You can read the same article that my cousin Kiko can read and get the same information out of it and get the same feeling out of it and get the same the same thing out of it. It's not a it's not particularly exclusive, which is also important. Well, there's an amazing amount of content on it. Thank you. With that platform, I was able to continue all of the work that we were doing. Well, some of the work 
that we were doing with Fusion. So I was able to continue going to the junkets and interviewing actors and actresses and musicians and, and writers and you know, authors and stuff about their projects. And thank God through that website, with God's blessings, I've been able to continue that for all these years. At the same time as doing the production company stuff and, and all that stuff. But I started that while I was doing radio because I still needed my outlet. You know what that's like. <laughs> you're not just talking to people. You're talking to every A-list star out there. So tell me about that. Tell me, you know, what it's like. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people and they've been great. I do have my favorites. I do have my least favorites. I won't I won't say who my least favorites are. I don't think that's cool, even though I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> want to hear that, right? We can talk about that after. Well, um, let's, let's stay positive. Who are the favorites? That's, that's the Patreon, right? That's the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'll start a Patreon just for that. Just for that, right? But I have some great stories attached to some interviews. I remember my very, very first interview. And I know my wife is watching this right now, and she always gets uh, a little bit uh, about it. But it's wait, always wait a, a minute. Fun. Your wife is watching. I think my wife is watching. Mine's somewhere. not. Yours. <laughs> I can pretty much guarantee that. <laughs> my wife almost never watches these things. Well, after the show, we're gonna have your wife call my wife, and maybe we can get something going here. <laughs> I think she's watching somewhere. I don't know. She told me she would. But you know what that means, right? Like she's probably on mute in the background while she's somewhere else, <laughs> Netflix. I don't know. My very first interview ever, my very first interview ever was with Jessica Alba. Starting small again. <laughs> Starting small. <laughs> so um, this was way early on. I walk in and uh, again, you don't know what you don't know, right? So with with your... And I call it ignorance, but inexperience, you just, you end up doing what you do, right? Uh, <laughs> my wife just peeked in and she was like, I'm watching you. <laughs> <laughs> so with your inexperience, you just don't know. And I immediately begin flirting with Jessica Alba. She was one of my five. That conversation you have with your wife, your hall pass, right? <laughs> and the reason that this is a funny story with my wife is because I asked her, we had this conversation about the five, but since we had that conversation, I've met four of my five and she hasn't met anybody of hers. <laughs> so she's always, Ugh. so anyway, when I, when I start my, my interview, we, you know, start talking about her movie and her other things. And then I start flirting and I start talking to her about, you know, hey, you know, maybe we can, you know, I know that she's mixed race and I'm Dominican, so maybe we can add some of that to the genetic. And then she was like, oh my gosh. And, you know, she's, <laughs> and it's a fun, it's a fun interview to watch, right? And I'm telling her, oh, well, we can go watch the movie together. And there's a chapel right next to the movie theater if you want right after. And then she was like, okay, let's go, right? So she starts flirting right back. And say all that to say this, the very first time that airs, we're watching this and my entire family is in the living room. Like I have cousins over, uncles, everybody just came over that night and everybody is in my house watching this show. 
and they all like look at my now wife, who is then my <laughs> fiance, <laughs> looking at her like, "Are you allowing this?" <laughs> and she didn't know. She was like, "Oh my gosh, this man!" Because this this woman asked me, "Are you married?" And I said, "No," because I wasn't yet. <laughs> Can't I lie, have, Jay. I didn't have time to explain, Jay. The, the The interview was only five minutes, and I was already on three and a half. I didn't have time to explain. She asked me if I was married. I said, I said no, and she was just asking me questions. And let's move on, Jay. Let's move on. <laughs> My wife lets me have a list too, but it's cartoon characters: Wilma, oh, Wilma really? Flintstone. And, you know, can't can't have the real ones. Wilma Flintstone and uh, Jessica Rabbit and <laughs> oh, I can't have Jessica Rabbit. She, Why not? <laughs> my wife won't let me have that one. She's too oh, hot. Come on, <laughs> still a cartoon. Oh man, <laughs> Wilma Flintstone. <laughs> well, yeah, she's all right. I guess I, I can deal with it. It's, it's, it's disturbing. <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> well, it is a little bit. Oh my gosh, I'm falling out of my seat. But no, that that was a fun one. What else was fun? Who do I love? Oh, Will Ferrell, obviously, oh, yeah. amazing guy, wonderful, wonderful guy. I showed up to a, I showed up to a red carpet, and Will Ferrell and I were wearing the exact same outfit, and like sure. it, it was the exact same. We had the same suit on. We had the same. Under sh- the same colors, the same pinstripes, everything. I saw the picture. He he, he walks up, and I'm like, "Huh?" And I look at him, and I say, uh, uh, "Like I couldn't think of anything for a moment." I was like, "I I I didn't get the memo," and I was afraid we weren't going to be matchy matchy. And he said, "Oh no!" He looked me, and I knew. <laughs> like, without missing a beat, this man was like, "I knew." When we met yesterday, I knew you were a pinstripe kind of guy. <laughs> I said, okay. Just a wonderful, wonderful guy, wonderful character. I had met, obviously, the second time I met him was on that carpet in his many days, but just a, a wonderful guy. Colin Farrell is also actually really amazing as well. And a memory like you wouldn't believe. I saw Colin Farrell in Miami, spent a few minutes with him, 10 minutes with him one day. And then didn't see him again for like a year. And it just so happened that I was at a press conference and he was there. I stood up to ask a question and they always ask people, state your name and your and which publication you're with before you ask the question. I didn't think he was going to remember me. So I was just like, hi, I'm Zay Zay from ZayZay.com. And you just hear him say, Zay Zay. (laughs) (laughs) I spent like. 10 minutes with you a year ago. How you remember me? He just, anyway, and those He's 10 minutes like were just that. amazing. He's just really good like that. Colin Farrell is great. Obviously, then you also have your, your others, the ones that everybody love, right? The Rock, Will Smith. Well, Will Smith. Uh- <laughs> Easy. Easy. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> we don't have enough time for all that. <laughs> Who gave you a challenge? What kind of challenges did you face? Oh my gosh! You're trying to get me to do the Patreon? No, no, here, no! Man. I don't need the I don't need the Patreon <laughs> account right now. Just what kind, what kind of challenges? It doesn't have to be a, a bad interview. Just what kind of challenges did you face going into the interview? So I will say this. I will say this. 
believe it or not, some of the biggest challenges that I've ever faced when doing like, let's say, for instance, junket style interviews, junkets are sort of like press days that studios have for their movies. It's those those interviews that you see. You might see a bunch of them on YouTube or you might see a bunch of them on all the different news channels where you'll see an actor sitting in the same room. And then it's always a different reporter that just keeps coming in. That's exactly how it happens. They rent some hotel room somewhere and then that person sits there for four hours and then it's just one reporter after another. And it is on the actor. It can be pretty pretty rough sometimes, right? Pretty stressful. Yes. And a lot of times you go in and those people are hungry or tired or, you know, we just did television for three hours. Now I got to sit here for four hours and just get asked basically the same questions over and over and over. And I really used that time as sort of like a training ground for how I do my interviews now, right? I try really, really hard to not ask questions that everybody would ask or anybody else would ask. And if I do ask a question that other people ask, I try to do it in a, in a different way. Put a different spin Like you on do it. it in conversation and try to, you know, you try to get to know people, right? The biggest challenge that I, that I ever ran into or the challenges I would ever run into were not necessarily from the actors or the artists, as much as it was from other reporters or situations that other reporters would cause. I thought you were going to say the reps, but you're going for the other reporters. No, yeah. Not because the other reporters were bad or doing their jobs in a poor manner or anything like that, but because you don't know how other relationships will affect what you're doing. Perfect example. I was walking in to do a junket for this big blockbuster movie that was coming out. There were three actors there. They're trying to get through it because they're running behind and what have you. So they, they have all the actors in there. They have this big partition. One reporter is in there. I'm behind the partition getting mic'd up. They're just trying to be quiet, micing me up so that they can just, it's a factory at this point, right? They're trying to get everybody in and out. You get three minutes, you get five minutes, you get six minutes, go, 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 go. I'm hearing the interview while they're micing me up. Everybody's trying to be quiet. They're doing the interview. The guy before me, it sounds like he's trying to get famous off of these guys because he's asking some of the most inappropriate questions <laughs> you can could, you could imagine. And the actors are getting more and more agitated with this guy. Like it's turning terrible. They're trying to get it all set up for you. That's it. And then at one point, one of the actors explodes and gets really angry. Why are you guys doing this to me? Why are you trying to X, Y, Z? Why are you trying to drag my name through the la, 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 la? At which point they stop his interview and escort him out. You got to go. I mean, he was maybe two minutes into a 10-minute thing. Director comes around, looks at me. You're next. Three minutes. And I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> like, I just, I'm not. Paying the price. I'm paying the price. Meanwhile, the actor is still yelling. 
the other two actors are sitting there quiet, just kind of like letting this other actor blow off steam. He's yelling, he's ranting, he's raving. Why these reporters beep, 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 push the button, man. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and I'm sitting down and they're like finishing the mic and running the cable. And, and then, you know, I'm like leaning over. He's yelling over me. I'm getting ready to sit down. The other two actors looking at me. Hi, my name is. Hi, my name is. I'm like, hi, I'm Zayze. It's good to meet you. He's still yelling. Then when he sits back down, he looks me dead in my face and he says, why are they trying to do this to me? And I look at him and I'm like, I don't know, sir, but I'm going to let you explain it on my show. That's all I said. I start my interview and ask one question. I pointed at him. He begins to just unload everything. You could hear a pin drop in that room. He does not stop. Remember, they gave me three minutes. He does not stop talking for five. The director, the camera people, the other two actors, everyone is just pensive, listening to how this man has felt persecuted since he got into Hollywood and how this reporter asking him these particular questions has brought all of that up and how he doesn't understand why people just won't let him do his craft. Right. And I just let him let it out. I do have the video. I have the footage here and I never aired it. And I did that as a promise then, but I made a promise that I would not because, you know, the movie's coming out. It would have been bad for him at the time. Right. Of course. Now it wouldn't matter. But I remember just setting it up because I thought he had it all out. He was ranting and raving while I was getting mic'd up and everything. And he just let it all out. He appreciated the opportunity. I think he did. And when it was over, The director looked at me and then he gave me another five minutes. Very cool. And I said, okay. So then I took it and I switched. I asked some ridiculous question about boxers or briefs because I was talking to three gentlemen, all of whom were sex symbols in their own right that were doing this movie. And I knew that, you know, that was something that at least the ladies that were in the uh, in the waiting room, they, there was a little conversation about that. So I was like, let me just ask, why not? I don't, what do I care? <laughs> so I asked something like that. One of them was an American. So he was like, tidy whities what is that? And then so that turned into a whole thing. And we changed the air in the room. Right. Comedic spin to it. Then by the end of it, it was amazing. It was wonderful. Oh, man. And as I was leaving and the next reporter came in, one of the actors said, thank God for that guy. Now, how does that make you feel? It made me feel amazing because I didn't hear it. The reporter that was after me came out. And as I was leaving, she says, Zay, 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 I got to tell you what happened after you walked out. Because when I left, it was almost like I was going to get the riot act. The people from, I think it was Warner Brothers, 
the studio people that were there came to me. You got to tell me what happened. What happened? Who? What happened in there? Who did say? No, no, no. And I was like, lady, I, I, <laughs> it was not me. You know, they were still mad at the last guy. <laughs> they right. don't know what happened and why were you in there so long? And da da da. I made things better. That's what I did. Yeah, exactly. When she came out and she explained, this is what it feels like in there now. And thank God for that guy. It made me feel amazing. More than the amazing feeling is the, the lesson that came from that day. And the lesson for me that I carry with me to today is everyone has their own relationship with someone. But that is not necessarily your relationship. That's theirs. And I ran into that quite a bit in the junket world. The reporter would come out, oh, this guy's not laughing today. Oh, he he didn't want to answer the questions. Oh, he's being a shit or whatever, right? And then I would go in, I'd be me, I'd do my thing and have an amazing interview. Since that, and because I carry this lesson, those relationships belong to them. That's how they react to you. But that's not necessarily how they'll react to me. So I'm going to go in. I'm going to be myself. Every room I walk into, I try to change the air, especially if you're dealing in junket world, right? In junket world, those guys are tired. Those guys are hungry. Those guys are, if you try to follow the vibe off of somebody who's been sitting there for three hours and has been answering the same question, are you like your character in this movie? You know, how, how are you like your character? Uh, what inspired you to take the role? Right. What did you like about the script? Guys, really? Like the same five questions every five minutes over and over for and four over. Hours. Yeah. <laughs> for four hours. Yeah, you might be a little. Err, At that you know? point, I'd spend 20 minutes telling you about my boxers. <laughs> Just to not have to answer that question again. Just to not have to do that. So you have to go in there and bring your own vibe, bring your own game, bring your own kind of thing. And then when you do that, you realize that then now you have your own relationship with this person. And this person is now reacting to you, not to that last person, not to three people before that. And now you have your own relationship that you can then turn into something, blossom it, or maybe this one is terrible. He was great to everybody else, but I just don't like you. <laughs> well, it's a personality thing. Not everybody gets along with everybody. No. I mean, look, at you're from New York, so I mean, we have to deal with that here and you know, grit our teeth and get through this. But yeah, I mean, I can understand that. All right, well, we do this thing here called Unsung Heroes where... We take a minute to shine some light on somebody who works behind the scenes, somebody who may have helped you out that other people wouldn't know about. Is there somebody that's worked behind the scenes to help you that you'd like to shine a little light on? Oh, my gosh. I think there's somebody watching right now who has been such a hero to me. Truly, I've known him since I was a kid. Oh, Uh, you're going for the wife. uh, well, my wife, I mean, I married her. So unsung hero all day long. 
You're punishing her for that. I see. Okay. I am. Yes, yes, I am. She was watching me with my Jessica Alba story, so she doesn't get the unsung hero shining light. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, yes. So obviously, the wife all day long. There is no me without her, for sure. There's someone else watching as well who, since I was a kid, has always been in my corner. Great love, tough love, any kind of love that I've needed, whether I've wanted it or not, <laughs> he's been there and has been absolutely amazing. Oh my gosh, there are no words, honestly. And I, he might be watching right now, I'm not sure. His name is Paul. I truly, truly appreciate this man's existence in my life. There are very few people that have helped to shape me for so long. He is definitely one of them. Definitely one of them. And I definitely want him to know that I appreciate him with uh, with all my heart. For sure. Unsung hero to me, indeed. Now, I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Zayze is truly an amazing personality. So please join me in giving him a big thanks for taking the time to share his stories with us. And thank you for taking the time to hang with me here. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. You can do just that and find links to everything mentioned over at jfranzi.com slash episode 14. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to The Jay Franzi Show. Make sure you visit us at jfranzi.com. Follow, connect, and say hello. This episode has been brought to you by VR Knives, your source for 100% custom knives made by a true rock star. So if you're in the market for a new piece of art, reach out to VR Knives. 407-421-5528. 407-421-5528.